0: I'm excited about what we're doing today in this series that we're in. I'm excited because I appreciate Pastor John filling in last week, and, you know, as I was listening to his sermon I was catching there, he mentioned a few times growing up in Pentecost. I'm curious, how many of you grew up in a Pentecostal church? Doesn't have to be Assembly of God, but Pentecostal. Okay. And um, I don't know if you, like me, we, we grew up moving a little bit here and there, so I've traveled some and been to quite a few different churches all calling themselves Pentecostal. And one thing I can tell you for sure, which I hope you could agree with, they're all different. Am I right? Even in the Assemblies of God, you can go to a church that's, you know, here in Missouri and be completely different than maybe in Kansas or right down the street. You know, people often don't realize that the church right down the hill over here, Epic Church is an Assembly of God church. Summit Park is an Assembly of God church just at the next exit. But you guys know that? And then the church that meets at Gamber Center, uh, a friend of mine pastors that church. You know, that's an assembly God church. And then, of course, Lee Summit first is clearly assembly God. And then the rock is, um, you you feel me? You hear what I'm saying? They're different, aren't they? Different expressions, the same body of Christ, and we still read the same Bible, but in effect, the way we practice Pentecost is different. I remember years ago, I was in this uh, service, and um, it, it, it was kind of it was a small group of a lot of ministers, and um, that sounds kind of a contradiction. It was small groups with a lot of ministers, and it was a prayer meeting. And the guy running it, the minister gets up and he says, <laughs> I'll tell you exactly what he said. He said, what we're going to do right now is pray Asian style. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of looking around because there were no Asians in the room. And I was thinking, what would you know about, what is that? And I am like, what are you talking about? And then he went on to explain it, and this is what he said. He says, you know what I mean when we pray all of us at the same time out loud. <laughs> I just started laughing. I couldn't help but laugh. Like, really? Because that's what we do. I'm not Asian, but I didn't even know Asians. Really? We're going to call that? Here's my point, is a lot of times our expression of our faith the way we worship, the way we pray, the way we praise, the way we experience Pentecost is different. So let me ask you, is, is that wrong? You didn't answer very quickly. Were you afraid? You are afraid to answer? Is our way right? <laughs> of course our way is right. We wouldn't do it if it wasn't right, right? Is it possible for somebody to do it different and still be right? Yes, it is. That's one of the things that we're going to learn today, at least we're going to see in Scripture. There are different ways to do these things. Now, there are some guidelines that Scripture gives us, but something you need to really pay attention to is we're, we're, we're looking mainly at one book in the New Testament. One letter written to one church to answer problems in that church. If Paul was writing a letter to our church, he might write a totally different letter. In fact, when he wrote the letters in the New Testament to the other churches, he didn't even mention a lot of these things because they weren't struggling with the same problems. And we frankly do not know how they did it. All we know is the corrections that they made. So a lot of times, you know, we look at it and we say, well, this is the right way to do it clearly because it says this. But in reality, we don't know for sure if it's only that way. What we do know is we want to be as faithful as we can to the Word and do and 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 be true to what God has called us to do. That's what we want to do. So we started this whole series. We talked about we're calling it we're calling it uh, gifted. And when we call it gifted, we say unlearn, learn, and relearn because there's certain things that you pick up as tradition in church. Now, again, I grew up in Pentecost and. Uh, you know, my earliest memories of of Pentecost were in in small churches, big churches, different churches, and you know, I I was laughing. Uh, Pastor John was cracking me up because at one point he said he saw the gift of weird. Remember that? Yes, last week. Those of you who are here. He's talking about the different gifts in the New Testament, and he said he'd seen a lot of the gift of weird. And uh, you can't grow up in Pentecost and not see that because people are people, right? And when we were people, were and and then he also talked a lot about the fact that. A lot of times, well, always the gift that we use and God gives us comes through our personality, and we all have different personalities, right? How many of you have ever danced in church? I saw some hands. I, I never have, but I, I remember I had a staff member, uh, work we worked with for years in California, and um, at one point I, I don't know how that came up. We were talking about it, and she said, "Well, someday God's going to make you dance, Dennis." <laughs> I just laugh like, uh, "Okay, well, okay." I'm okay with that. It's just that's not normally my personality. Plus, with one foot, it would look funny. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. But, but still, I, I think I think a lot of times that comes through with our expression of our own personality. Some people are more flamboyant. Some people are less. Some people are more emotional. Some people are less. And God works through people, and we're people, and we don't always get it right. So there's times where stuff happens, and we say it's God, and it's just us, right? I mean, it's hard to say because it sounds like we're saying we're doing it wrong, but you know, the fact is, is a lot of times it's different, and we will see different expressions in the, in the body of Christ, but here's the thing. As we're talking about these gifts, a couple of weeks ago when we introduced this, I talked about first like, like superpower gifts, and I talked about the fact that <clears throat> we are gifted, and with great power comes great responsibility, and I don't take that lightly because the fact is, even with these gifts of the Spirit, it is a huge responsibility, Because you always need to make sure you're using your power for good because it's never about us. It's always about him. And then the next thing it's about is them. Always looking out. God's heart is for, to to bring people. And you think about that scripture, that the the parable, that there's three parables Jesus told in succession. The parable of the lost sheep. Remember that? Shepherd had a hundred sheep, lost one. And what did he do? He left the 99 and went after the one. Did that mean the 99 didn't matter? No, but his heart is for that lost. And for those of us who are found, I'm going to use some language here that could be offensive to people who are not part of the group yet. But for those of us sometimes who are found, we want it to be more about us still, and it is, but don't forget, his heart is for the lost. Then the very next parable he tells is about the lady who had 10 coins and lost one. So so Jesus, in the story, he says, she swept out her entire house till she found the one then he tells the story about the we call it the prodigal son and and even in telling the story do you remember who the found ones were the older brother remember and remember it was the Pharisees who were getting a little upset because they had done everything right and they're part of the household and yet they're throwing a party for this one who is out and lost and squandering god's heart is for the lost always remember that that is the whole point of all of this and sometimes so many times we we get so comfortable just using things for ourselves, and the fact is it's not about us. And As we heard today, the, the church is not a building. It's a people, people who are called around a purpose and a mission. And as Jesus was, uh, he had already uh, died, rose again. He was getting ready to leave the earth in the ascension, and he gives the disciples his final marching orders to them. We call it, we call it the great commission. Oh, I went backward there, Sorry. Uh, We call it the Great Commission. So this is Jesus' last words to the disciples. They're very, very important. And he tells them in there, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands, all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." Those are our marching orders. That is the mission. That is the whole idea. And then earlier in scripture, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said it was this. So we have the great commission, the great commandment. Jesus answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your, your soul, your strength, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we as a church are about. As a Christian, that's what you should be about because that is the whole point. And I, I know it, sometimes it seems kind of backward. It seems like, well, wait a minute, what about what about us? Well, the fact is God loves us and he prepares us to do that mission. That's what he does. And I, I talked about that a lot you know, a couple weeks ago and I'm gonna repeat that a little bit here and there. But And the way he does that, he, he, he says that he's gonna give us certain gifts to help make that happen. So we looked at Ephesians where it says, He's given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ, and then these are the gifts. I remember I was joking around about I'm a gift to you and all that. I said, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors, and teachers, and why are we gifts to you? We're gifts because we're supposed to equip you to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. I, I laugh about that still because it just sounds so weird to say I'm God's gift to you. Because in reality, I feel like you're God's gift to me. I feel like you know I'm not. I wasn't just being nice when I said I missed you all. Like, I I was looking forward to seeing you all here today and greeting you in the lobby and talking and hearing about your week and and um, you know so many of you are saying, well, did you have fun? It looked like from you know social media you had fun and, and 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 that's wonderful. But I feel like you're God's gift to me. You encourage me so much and bless me. And, but at least in the church, my role is to equip you to do this ministry. And what's the ministry again? This is that repetitive part. I actually took some of these out because it was seeming too repetitive to me. What is it, the mission again? <laughs> you're supposed to love God and love others. You're supposed to go find the lost ones. You're the one looking after the sheep. You're the one finding the coin. You're the one that goes and finds that prodigal son and brings them back home. And rather than being upset that the the father's uh, throwing a party, you throw the party. We throw the party. (laughs) I love that part about God because he still loves us no matter what we do. Over and over and over, he does it. So so here's what we said. God is on a mission, and that mission again (laughs) is... Yeah, if you, I I remember, as I was listening to the recording last week, John was having a hard time getting you to answer back to him. So hopefully you're you're more primed up for that. So God is on a mission, and what's his mission? (laughs) Right, and then he he includes you in the mission. You are part of the mission, and what's the mission? And then pastors are a gift to you to complete the mission, and what's the mission? Oh, it's funnier up here. Okay, and then, <laughs> and then Pastor John again. I appreciate him ta- uh, speaking, but he uh, he was he was covering this, and in First Corinthians twelve we see this. I put up here just a snippet of what he he talked about. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities, that would be the gifts. The Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. And there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Then he says, God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So first of all, we see, and Pastor John did a great job of pointing this out. First of all, we see that, that uh, the people ask for some instruction. They had questions. Does that surprise you at all? I think sometimes we get the idea that in the early church, in the first days of the church, they had it all together and they had it all figured out. And here we are 2,000 years later and we're confused, but they weren't. No, we're all we all need instruction from time to time and we all need to, to find out what things are We all need to look at it. We all need guidance like that And the fact is they had questions. They wrote to paul paul answered their questions He was writing to specifically deal with some of the issues they had and just to highlight the end I mean talked about the spirit is the source of the gifts, right? Okay, and then we're each given a spiritual gift and the purpose is what Help each other and then I, I laughed again. Pastor John made me laugh a lot because he said that, that the Spirit was the gift distributor. Remember him saying that? I just never heard that phrase that way before. It's in the Bible. I mean, it comes right out of Scripture. It says the Spirit distributes the gifts, so he's the gift distributor, I guess. So the Spirit distributes all these gifts, and then he alone decides which gift, gift each person should have. And then as, as the Apostle Paul, he, he finishes that chapter 12. So we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12. And then the section of Scripture we're going to eventually cover is 12, 13, and 14. So as he ends chapter 12, he says, all of you together are Christ's body. Is any of this sounding repetitive? Yes? You are all part of Christ's body. And in, in, in Scripture, he goes into a lot of detail, and he lines it all out. And He says, if everybody was the eye, what good would that be? And we'd stumble all over each other, and on and on and on. And he says, we each have a part to play. My guess is that some of you here are thinking, well, I just come to church. I, I don't have a part in all this, but you do. You may not know what that is yet, or or you may not have stepped into that, or you may not have even thought about the fact that God has gifted you in a way to contribute in some way. And and I'm not talking necessarily about volunteering volunteering in toddlers or or the ones who are out, you know, girl and hamburgers. I'm not necessarily talking about that. Your gift could be just encouragement, and I don't mean just encouragement. Like it's not important. It's really important. You, you might be the one who stands in the lobby and talks to that person who, who came in and, and they thought that they were the only one and nobody ever noticed them, and you talked to them. And you may think that's not a big deal, but that's because you're gifted to do it. And the fact is, for some people, that's hard to do to talk to strangers, but you have a gift to do that. And God uses you in that special way, and because you play that part, the whole church works together the way God intended for it. You may not see it that way, but the fact is, each of us are gifted. It says right here, each of you have a part. And here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. Now, earlier in chapter 12, I know Pastor John went over that lift, list of nine spiritual gifts. Anybody remember what they are? <laughs> you didn't know you were going to be tested, did you? But there are nine of them listed there. Here's something I want you just to understand. We'll We'll do this from time to time, but as you look at Scripture, you need to understand something. Paul wasn't necessarily saying... Here's the nine gifts, and there's only nine. He listed nine, because now he's going to tell us here, here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. And we already looked at the Ephesians scripture, which mentioned, remember the gifts? Remember I said, I'm God's gift to you? Remember what was the other parts of that gift? Apostles, evangelists, remember that? Pastors, teachers, remember that? Okay. So here he has another list. Oh, I went backward again. Okay, first are Apostles. Now, this time he seems to put some order to it. Second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in other languages. That's not the same list as it was earlier, was it? What is Paul doing here? What he's trying to say is, we have different parts to play. And there is somewhat of a hierarchy here. I mean, an apostle would be somebody who was setting up the churches like, like he was and like the 12 apostles, planting churches and groups of churches. Of course, they would be preeminent in there. And then he talks about prophets, then teachers. He hasn't even mentioned pastors here. Should I feel left out? What you need to understand is even in this list, it's not a comprehensive list, it's a list. Does that make sense? But the point is, you all have a part to play. And some of you, this may be a part of your part. Some of you may be especially gifted in the area of teaching or miracles or, or healing. There may be a gift of leadership which you exercise here in the church that, that helps us to figure something out or to, to run something. And it's, it's something that, that maybe you don't even think about. Maybe you, you, you haven't thought of yourself as, as a gifted leader. But the fact is, God gives those gifts to each of us. Or maybe for you, you've thought, well, yeah, I do that on my job. I'm a head of a team. Or, or maybe at school, like, I'm the captain of my sports team or whatever. And you've, you've had your leadership abilities recognized. But you never thought about using those talents for the church. And the fact is, God could use you here too. And he gives us these parts to play. That's how God does it. He, he gives us these things and then he helps us to find where we should fit. And then in the whole process, so, it, so if you follow the flow here, He said, okay, I I know you've had these questions and problems. Here's how the gifts, here's the different gifts, and you all have a part to play. The Spirit gives you the gifts, right? You following along his logic, okay? Then he says this, are we all teachers? Pardon me, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? See the rhetorical questions he's asking here. Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown unknown languages? He says, of course not. I'm glad he said that. You know why? Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but there's times where I feel pressure to have all the gifts. No, no one's expected to have them all. God, the Spirit distributes them as we need them. And the fact is, God cares more about the church than any of us, and he wants you to operate in a certain way. He will help that to happen. And he doesn't expect everybody to have everything. Then Paul takes another turn. You should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And we'll talk about that next week more because he goes into more detail in, the, in chapter 14. But, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. See how Paul ties this in? Do, do you know what's next, the way of life? you tracking here? We're in chapter 12. What would be next? Thank you. Thank you so much. Sometimes the questions are really obvious. I'm not tricking anybody. It's just, it's just a question. I'm, not, I'm just trying to move us along. But chapter 13 is the love chapter, right? Why would Paul do that? I mean, he knows, right, what he was writing. I mean, chapter 12, 13, 14. Because this chapter, I mean, I used it yesterday in a wedding. I, I, there's times where I use it in weddings so much. There's times where I'm like, I don't know if I want to use that again. But it fits so well, and it's so appropriate, and it applies so well, right? Right? And you've probably heard chapter 13 used in a lot of ways in interpersonal relationships or how we should live as Christians. But why would Paul put it here? And why would he tie it directly? He says right there, he says, but let me show you a way of life that's best of all. Better than the gifts? I mean, aren't the gifts the best thing ever? Who, who's a gift person? Be honest. I mean, you love gifts. You think about it, right? You can, I saw your hand almost go up. She almost put her hand up and put it down like I'm the only one put my hand up. Okay, I got one hand. Really? I, and I'm not particularly that way. Okay, thank you for the honesty. I'm not particularly that way, but, but I know people who are, and you can tell them. It, it doesn't even matter how big or whatever it is. It's just the thought that there's a gift, and someone gave them a gift, and they can't wait to open it. And what's funny is those people, too, if they give you a gift, they want you to react the way they're feeling about it because they gave it to you, and they're like, aren't you going to open it? Aren't you going to open it? And I was raised like, you don't know, open a gift in front of somebody, but some people, like, you've got to open it, and then you've got to be super excited about right so what could paul possibly mean that there's something better than the gifts really actually yeah he says it's about love now here's something i just i don't want to go into a lot of detail about this but when you read scripture again we use that chapter 13 for so many things and that's not necessarily wrong i'm not saying that's wrong but but in the Bible, as in all literature, you need to make sure that you keep what it's saying, what we call context. It fits right between chapters 12 and 14. Paul knew what he was doing. He wasn't just writing carelessly or haphazardly or randomly. He wasn't just throwing things out. Now, okay, <laughs> I'm not thinking of any person in the room, but you know people who are just kind of scatterbrained, and you could be talking to them, and they're on this topic and then this topic, and there's times where you're like, are we still talking about this? And they're like, no, 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 I'm talking about this. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like three subjects behind. You know people like that? That's not Paul. If you read Paul, his arguments are super detailed. And there's times where he will, he will go off on a tangent for something, but then he comes right back. He is, he is a very educated writer. He was trained as a rabbi. He, is, he put this, this chapter intentionally right there. He knew what he was doing. Uh, A good thing to think about when you think about context, any text out of context can become a pretext, meaning that you could use it in the wrong way. Now, I don't think that using chapter 13 to talk about love is wrong, because it's about love. But what I do want you to see is Paul is saying something to us very powerful about the gifts of the Spirit being about love. Look what he says again. Let me just take us one last time. (laughs) You should earnestly desire The the most helpful gifts, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all And that way of life is love. Let's look at it If I could speak with all the languages of earth And I don't know if he's talking about tongues there or what but he says if I could speak of all the languages of earth And of angels and didn't love others I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal if I had the gift of prophecy And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, what gifts is he talking about there? The gift of knowledge, maybe the gift of wisdom. Do you see what he's doing? He's actually talking about the gifts he mentioned in chapter 12. And most of the time, because we don't use this this chapter in context, we miss that. And he says, if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith, gift of faith, that I can move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. The problem that the church had in Corinthians, in Corinth, was that they had elevated the gifts above everything. And they, were, they had this developed almost a spiritual pride about these gifts of the Spirit. And they forgot what was most important. What's the mission? Love God and love others. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, in in the original it says, gave my body to be burned. I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing, nothing. That's extreme, extreme language. Now, this is the part we're familiar with, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with using this in other ways. Just see how in context it directly applies to this. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. Ouch. I will never forget the first time I heard Pastor Newby talk about a grievance collector. I I was sitting right, right there where you are, Pangsy, right there, and I heard him say that, and I never heard that thought before. Some people really struggle with that, and they can't let them go. Keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every every circumstance. (laughs) Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. See how it fits in context again? He was just talking about that, talked about how love should look. Then he comes back to the gifts. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, but even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. (laughs) I don't know about you. That changes everything to me. It changes all of the way I look at it. Paul was answering their questions. Yeah, he was answering them. First, remember I said he, he describes the gifts. Then he tells them that we're all part of the body of Christ. We all have a part in this. And he tells us how they function. Then, then the third thing he says, love should be the motivation for the use of the gifts. <laughs> the bottom line is this. Love, love is the key. Love is the key. I, I I almost am frustrated by the fact that it seems that times are... Modern culture or past cultures have co-opted love. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like they've redefined what love is or, or love, love, love means whatever they've defined it as. But the, the bottom line is, God is love. He is love. That's, a, that's really a hard concept to get my mind around. The fact is, what that phrase means, John, John uses that phrase. He says, God's nature is to love. People ask, how could God love a sinner? How could love God love somebody who's, who's, who's violated his laws over and over? You, you know how he can do that? He is love. It is his nature and his character to love. We as human beings, we, we, have, a, we have a glimmer of that because we have his nature in us. But for us, it's always going to be imperfect to one degree or another. The fact is, if we could only love like he loves, it would be so different than the way we love. Most of our love is, is conditional and it has to do with how someone acts or someone does or what happens or this or that. But the fact is, his love is different than all that. And in this specific context of these verses, he's telling us the gifts are awesome, but they mean nothing without love. And then what he's also saying is the way the gifts are administered and used need to be completely used in the context of loving each other. Love. Love is more important than anything else. That's the key. And what kind of love? He goes and he describes it's selfless love. It means putting the other person first. It means what what they need and want is more important than what you need and want. It means that that, that matters more than anything else. It's a serving, giving love. It's putting anger aside. It's humble. It's it's caring, doesn't demand its own way. It never gives up, and it's always helpful. You know what he's saying? Love is not just the key. It's the key to everything, everything, your entire life, the way that you treat people, the way you interact with each other. You, do you want the gifts? Yes, that was not rhetorical. I know Paul was asking rhetorical questions, and he's not here to hear your answer. I am. Do you want the gifts? Of course, right? We all want gifts. We all want spiritual gifts. That's awesome. But the fact is, none of it matters if we don't love. None of it matters if we do not love. Here's how, here's, I'll give you the basic flow of this this whole section. God loves us. He gives us a mission to tell the others that he loves them. Then our love for him motivates us to tell them and then everything we do should be governed and measured by that love. <laughs> What's funny about that is, as human beings, we, want, we do want rules, right, and limitations. We want to know, how far do I have to go? What do I have to do? where's, Can you ever do enough? I'll tell you, when, when Jesus came and he made the measure of everything love, he changed the whole game, didn't he? He changed it all. The question isn't how much, the, the question is, how much could you possibly love? I mean, love determines everything. I've, I've quoted this before, but St. Augustine's famous for saying, love God, then do whatever you want. doesn't mean you do whatever you want, because everything you want to do would be governed by love. The way you love God would change everything. Everything. Oh, he loves us so much. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? We're getting ready to have a picnic. How do you apply this at a picnic maybe it means you don't go first in line i was talking with a friend of mine this last week he was he was the youngest of three boys now i know everybody's gonna stand there and not eat i don't mean that but he was the youngest of three boys and and uh, actually it was it's jason curse i don't know if he's here today but uh, we were talking about this at breakfast and he was talking about yeah i didn't get to eat actually till they all moved out of the house <laughs> and i grew up in a home where you know, I was told, let your sister go first. And if we went over to somebody's house, you eat last. And those are good things to teach kids, right? But there's a spiritual principle involved there. Me last. You first. I defer to you. You you are so important. I serve you. That's how it looks on a day-to-day basis. Let's, Let's evaluate this. Do you I was going to have you turn to your neighbor and look at them, but I'm not going to do that. It's too uncomfortable. If you were to evaluate your own life behavior, do you think you've loved the person next to you in a Corinthians 13 way? (laughs) You didn't have to answer out loud. Somebody just right away said no. Like, okay, you don't have to answer out loud. This is like just, I want you to think about it for a minute. How about the people you live with? How about the people who serve you? Whether that's a, you know, a wait staff at a restaurant or, or someone at, at Quick Trip. I mean, do you treat them that way? I, um, Facebook can be a, a curse and a horrible thing, but lately, the, you know how it pops up, the time hop thing? And it'll pop up this. This quote popped up today, and I, I take it as from God today. I don't do that with everything, but I do this today. The quote that popped up from, I don't remember even when it was, I put it on there, but in every interaction with others, say to yourself, this is one for whom Christ died. Every person you encounter. C.S. Lewis said it this way, no, no one, none of us ever encounter a mere mortal. We encounter a living, eternal soul, every single one. i want to ask you to shut your eyes for a second. As you walk out of here today, I know each of you are going to be loving and kind to each other as we leave church, because it's church, and we just talked about it. I get that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who serve you coffee, and the person who lives next door who drives you crazy, and the person who cuts you off on the freeway, and the people at work who don't, don't pull their side of the bargain, and That politician you hate and that sports team you can't stand to watch play tonight. I'm talking about real things. That relative who you hope doesn't show up at the family event. Is it possible that the reason Paul put this right in the middle of this section about gifts is because it really is that important? That the only thing that matters is love. And how you love each other, not only... Is it that important? But it really does illustrate how much you love God. We say we love others, love God, love others. I'm gonna say it this way. You love God as much as you love others. With everybody's eyes closed for just a minute, I'm wondering if any of you would just say, I need help loving people, Corinthians 13, that way. Anybody at all be honest about that? There's a lot of hands up and I appreciate your honesty. Let me ask probably the most important question we ever ask. I'm wondering if there's anybody here, and as you've been hearing this, I mean, this this sermon hasn't been about salvation per se, but you've been sitting here thinking, earlier I was talking about the lost people, and you you realize you're one of those. You're not quite yet part of the Christian group, not part of this body of Christ, this church thing. And it doesn't mean that you have all the answers yet, I don't know that any of us do, but you're sitting here and you're thinking, if everything the pastor's saying today is true and there's a God who loves us that much, and not only does he love us that much, but he expects us to love each other that way, then that's something I need in my life and I want him to come in and change me. Anybody here today like that, you'd raise your hand and we could pray with you today. Anybody at all. I do see that hand. I appreciate your honesty there. Anybody else? I'm looking around. here, I want you all to do this with me. Again, with your eyes closed, just with this person who raised their hand in the back, if you would especially pray this prayer with us, we're gonna, I'm gonna ask you to repeat after me a prayer. And the, the prayer isn't necessarily special. It's just the fact that we're gonna acknowledge that we have done things that are wrong and that Jesus in his death has paid for those wrongs and we accept that forgiveness and it changes our life, then he comes in and makes us new. So I'd like everybody to repeat after me. Father God, I'm sorry for the things I've done that were wrong. I want you to come in my life and make me new. I wanna be a new person. I want that first Corinthians love to be who I am today. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that today and you meant that, God changes our lives. And I'd love to talk to you about that after. And for each of you that are in here today, I am gonna close us in a word of prayer right now uh, and that God would help us to love each other that way. And I, please, somebody needs to go first when we eat, so don't, don't. All right. Father, I'm thankful that you love us like you do. I am. I'm humbled by it. I'm challenged by it. I want each of us and myself included to love each other in that way. I pray that you would help us as we walk out of this place today to see in each person that unique person that you have created there and love them like you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Think we can do that today? Amen.